What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Helbeck, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right, what's going on, everyone? Greg Helbeck here with Michael Pinter, and this is the first episode of the, I guess we'll call it the New York Real Estate Investing Show. I don't think, actually, I am sure for a fact, there is no way there's another podcast out there that specifically talks about doing real estate investing deals, which comprises of a lot of things in the great state of New York. So I figured the first episode will We'll make it a little open-ended. We'll, I guess we'll give both of our backgrounds and kind of how we got into this scenario. And then we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, some, some experience and some key lessons we've learned from investing in New York for, for you know, five to 15 years, depending on, uh, I mean, collectively, Mike, we've been investing here. If you take your, your, your time and my time, we're almost approaching two decades. Um, sure. So I think we got a lot to share with people, hundreds and hundreds of transactions. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this, man. Me too. I'm excited. Yeah. By the way, just just before we we get into it, you are like a YouTube superstar, um, it, for for your niche of niches. See, I said I was key, I was I was specific there. Your niche of niches. So if you guys aren't familiar with Michael Pinter, uh, type in flipping and wholesaling in New York on YouTube, and there's probably 400 videos of Michael just dropping value. Michael, is there anything on there that you haven't? like that you know that you haven't shared on YouTube because I feel like there's a video for literally everything. It's like a dictionary. There's a lot in there, but I, I watched that, that, uh, that little nugget you sent me um, or that Tony sent me um, about what I should be doing really to improve my channel. And I think I'm going to start working on that. I, I probably have to go longer. I probably have to start talking for 10 minutes, which is not easy. Oh, I got to do leaf it. strategy. Yeah. 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 That was good stuff for sure. That was a, that's a, that's a very cool good thing. Yeah. Now he's, it was easy because it's it's not easy, but it was easy to understand that framework. It wasn't like some crazy algorithm where you gotta, you know, go to Larry Page's house and buy him dinner, and then he's gonna put your put your videos at the top of the page. Right. Um, but that guy that guy understands how what what YouTube is looking for to show. I didn't even realize that like to get subscribers, you have to sort of fit Google YouTube. I say Google because they own shit. YouTube, yeah. but. But YouTube has this algorithm where they want to put you on the page and they want to put you on the side and that gets people to find you. And like, yeah. I didn't even realize that that was a thing, but that's a big thing. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And then like, besides just the keyword search, obviously like the better, the more long tailed the keyword, the better, which just means for the listeners, like if you type in like selling my house quickly in Massapequa, New York now, like that's more of a long tail keyword than like we buy houses and then you happen to be in Massapequa. So, I mean, we could talk about SEO for, for days, but anyway, Michael, let's let's I figured let's just get into your background. I mean, obviously, uh, you've been doing this longer than me, and you're much older than me. So, uh, you know, let's start with you. I am twice your age, Greg. You're 25. I'm 50. So yes, you're 50. I'm almost 26. Like in literally a week, I'll be 20. I think yeah, a week from today, I'll be 26. Hot diggity dog. Look at that. So I will never be twice your age again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um. So my background. So I uh, was in the mortgage business. I worked for the same company. 
from 1997 till 2013. So I went through the whole crash and uh, did a, a million transactions. I was a, a loan officer, a branch manager. I ran secondary marketing. So I sold the loans in the secondary market. And uh, during the, that time, I started like dabbling in real estate because in 2006 and 2007, if you had a pulse, you can get a loan. And uh, yeah. I played around with a few. And then over the years, I also bought a few properties. And um, I realized in 2013, I really should have got out of that business in like 2010. Yeah. But I stuck around a little longer. In 2013, I started really going into um, real estate investing full time. Mm. And I've been doing that for almost nine years now. And um, I, when I first started in 2013, for the first four years, I was I was buying almost all my properties at live auctions and uh, online auctions. Yeah. And I was gut renovating everything. I wanted to be Tarek El Musa from Flip or Flop. That was my dream. I wanted everything yeah. open concept. And I had this stupid thought that like my houses were going to be so nice that there's no reason anybody couldn't buy it. So I did that for four years and the business grew really for four years. Yeah. But I realized after four years that I couldn't control how many properties I was going to buy. So I was going to an auction where I could get outbid at any time. So about five years ago, I started going direct to seller and uh, was able to buy properties at a deep enough discount that I didn't have to gut renovate them. I could just assign the contract to somebody else to wholesale them, or I could close on them and, and sell them, uh, you know, without doing much work, which is wholetailing them. And if I wanted to rehab them, I always could. And that's what I've been doing for the last five years. And uh, uh, I'm a much happier person uh, doing a lot less renovation. And you know about the even though you have a project manager, right, you know about the problems that come with doing major renovation. Oh, it's a disaster. I mean, it's it's a whole nother business within a business. I can't believe you did that for even four years, man. I mean, especially you're buying properties. I'm assuming the margins weren't even as good from an auction. And then obviously you like the thing with that is you have to close and you have to rehab or else you're not really creating a lot of value. You know what oh, I mean? Sometimes you even you gotta you gotta um, evict also. Very often you buy oh, properties and they have they'd have the tenants in them or they have the owners in them but uh but, but the deals were the deals were good like i was i was happy we made, made more money every year for four years so i was happy about it but but um just you're not in control of how you, no. you just didn't know i could buy i could buy three properties and make them or nothing for five weeks you just don't know yeah it's a total guessing game and then it's it's, it's just that 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 ultimately leads to uncertainty right and no, not not consistency even though you were consistent that it's that business model is it was just flawed, you know. And 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 now now I mean, what are the? I think you told me the other day you were like, dude, I'm selling my wholesale deals to people who wouldn't touch them uh, because they thought that there was something wrong with it. But now they can't find deals at the auction, especially since COVID's yeah. obviously happened, and and now they're paying for premiums. For sure. So I was the only guy that was really taking good notes for four years. I wrote down every single property that sold to any real buyer. Like occasionally, one-off guys who nobody knew. Yeah, but I still have the notes in. I kept all. I got everybody's name and number who I thought was a decent buyer. weren't that many in the beginning. It was probably twenty. By the end, of maybe yeah. hundred. And um, I wrote down what they bought it for, and I figured I'd follow it. I didn't always follow it, but when I went to the direct to seller model, I thought I had the best buyers list ever. These were <laughs> yeah, guys. auction buyers. Yeah, I, I knew what they were going to buy. Like I, there was a guy sitting next to me, and I knew what he would pay for a property. So when I had that property and offering it to for less, I thought this was the easiest sell ever. And none of those guys would buy anything from me ever. I think it was, I think they had seen me buy properties and they just assumed if I wasn't, if I wanted to get rid of it, that there was something wrong with it that they wouldn't know. Yeah. About. I did. Yeah. So really yeah. for, for four and a half years, 
I sent all my wholesale deals out that list and got very, very few nibbles from the auction buyers. I found other buyers, thank God. But um, but lately, those guys who were still buying at auction, Nassau County, New York has been shut down since last March. So for 14 months, they've had no uh, no deal. So those guys are all coming back to me now. Yeah. And, uh, and begging me for deals and asking me, you know, what, what does it take? Just give me the number, that kind of thing. You know, I'm real, that kind of thing. But um, I'm, I'm, most of these guys are not bidding as high as some other guys. So I'm just, I'm selling every, yeah. well, I, and Jason Lewis and investor fuel said it best like about three months ago. He's like, do not pocket wholesale anything. Somebody no. says what the number is just say, I don't know. Because every time I think I hit a top on a property, somebody is willing to pay me more. So when somebody asks me now what the number is, I go, the number is as high as I can get. I said, the prices are crazy right now. And I'm, I'm taking advantage. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the thing, like, it's so comfortable to pocket wholesale deals, but like at the end of the day, you're, this is a capitalistic society and you're, you're doing your company and your, your family a disservice or even yourself a disservice by not squeaking out another five, 10,000 per deal, because that adds up. If you do three, four, five, eight deals a month, more. because I'm getting numbers now, it's 30, 40,000 more than I thought I would get. Yeah. It's and, insane. And, you know, I used to think that I had to really take care of my best buyers list and that I, show, I should show it to them first. And give them the best shot at it. VIP buyers. I sort of still think that's like in the back of my head, but the truth is that a lot of these new guys are willing to pay more, maybe sometimes too much, and the guys who are real buyers are still going to be around and buy properties for the for the right price later. So, you know, so, so I have one guy who really bought a lot of properties from me, and I, I I definitely left money on the table on several occasions selling to him. So yeah. He keeps calling me and saying, oh, I just get your emails. You don't call me anymore. And I'm like, the market's nuts now. I said, when it, I said, if, when it calms down, I said, I'm sure you'll, 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 you'll be in the mix. I said, but right now there's just people paying crazy numbers. And he's hundred percent angry man. at me. He was like, no problem. That's business. And people who are cool, like don't, aren't like those people who get pissed at you for that. Like, it's like, I did a wholesale deal, like in, I don't know. I was like, it was, well, we've done many, but one of them I can remember, like that scenario happened. I auctioned it off and the, I had some people I was really close with who made competitive bids and I sold it to someone else for a higher price and they understood, like they understand the deal. Like, it's not like, like nobody said, owes you anything, you know, like at people, the end of the day, business. People are cool. They understand. It's just Yeah, they get it. They do the same thing. Right. I would say, what do you do if you're in my shoes? And they're like, yeah, that's true. I always say that question. If you were in my shoes, what would you do? Would you sell this thing 10 grand or less just because you're my friend? Like, no, it's stupid. Uh, now it's interesting yesterday and what you're back, you're back. You're oh yeah my wi-fi here is, is 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 a little interesting is it better now yeah yeah okay yeah gavin newsom man we're gonna recall you even though i'm out anyway you think he's, um, you think he's responsible for your wi-fi problem <laughs> he might be my hair looks like his now i'm kind of embarrassed but uh <laughs> just people are watching uh i got some some slick back hair right now because i haven't washed it in a couple of days anyway i digress no i, I it's funny i, I uh, want to drive home that that point but one more time and then i'll get into my backstory but um sent out a wholesale deal yesterday from another investor and uh, it, it's it's dude this house is a disaster it, it's like there's hoarded and it, it's like got junk everywhere it, it's a, it looks like a murder happened in there it's a disaster and um just put it out got some interest and one guy right away was like i'll give you you know 99 and uh can you hear me still yeah i can hear you okay yeah he was like i'll give you when you're wholesaling something from another investor, is he giving you a, pri a minimum price that he needs? No, no, we just JV it. We just do a JV agreement and we okay. just split it. Yeah, yeah. 
case by case. He's just okay. like, I don't do like my markup fee. I'm like, hey, like you got it for X. Like I'm going to try to sell it for Y. We'll split the Delta. And I guarantee you my list will get you more money than your list. Like that's a guarantee almost. Just because I, I mean, my assistant works on the list every day for hours, adding people every single day. Like, so it's super responsive. Um, anyway, so made me an offer and it was, it was like a 30K deal at that point right off the bat. And then like in Orange County, it's not a little cheaper than Long Island, obviously. So it's a, it's a good wholesale fee. Um, and I waited. I waited around, waited around, told him he was cool about it. And it was a repeat buyer. Someone's I, I bought from, who's bought from me before and he obviously can perform. And, uh, you know, waited around another couple days or another day. And really, that was the best offer um, because his house was a disaster. And he already has been in there because another knucklehead wholesaler fumbled the thing uh, at like the at like the goalpost or whatever. So, yeah, we sold it for like, you know, we sold it, I think, for what we put. No, we sold it for, yeah, I think what we put it out for something like that. But anyway, I, the point of that is you wait. You don't just take the offer right away. You, you shop it around. You make sure that that is the case. And in that scenario, sometimes I will put a little bit of a value on a property if someone's already seen it and been in there, that means I don't have to show it again, potentially, which could lead to trouble with the sellers. But anyway, I'm sure we'll do many podcasts on like legit, how to legitimately wholesale in New York and we'll obviously unpack the whole thing. So we should do a podcast on how to show a property that we're wholesaling in New York. Oh, that's going to, for sure. We could talk for two hours on that. Oh, dude. Nightmare totally stories, doing that. good stories. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I think here's a, this is the first episode and I really wanted this. We got to make sure that we take a mental note of this, even though it's obviously recorded. I think the more stories we can share about real life deals, and, and we have hundreds of them, I think that that will drive the value on this podcast. We do the like the Frank Kern model. You do the point, story, metaphor, and obviously the metaphor will probably take some thinking, but the point in the story, I think we'll be able to really be able to, to drive a lot of value for our listeners. So um, Mike, do you want to ask me about my background just so I don't sound like a narcissistic asshole? Greg, <laughs> what's your background? How did you get into this? <laughs> I just didn't want to be like one of those douches who's like, you know, anyway. So, um, yeah. So my story real quick is um, I got started in college when I was in my early 20s. I was 20 years old. I uh, went to a seminar. Um, I, that was my, this is all I've ever done in my career. So I, I've never had a, like a regular nine to five job uh, besides like being a lifeguard and, you know, getting kicked out of pools and stuff. Um, but, you know, really this is all I've done. And uh I went to a seminar and honestly, Michael was about how to double close houses in the Hudson Valley. And I had no idea you could, I didn't even know what that was. Like a Wait, double who's, close. Whose seminar was it? Tarek Al Musa and his ex-wife. By the way, I, I went, <laughs> but he doesn't show up. I went, I went. No, he did not house. show up. I can tell I you that. Upset he wasn't there. I'm like, what, what's going on? I wanted to shake his hand. No. Yeah. I would be shaking the salesperson's hand. Not, not the, uh, the guy that, not the horse is not the, not the main uh, character. So I went to one of those at the Ramada Inn in Newburgh. I know vividly where it was. It's, it's right off the major freeways. I know where it is. Yeah. Right there off 300. And, uh, I went there and I was like, I, I didn't know what to expect from it. And then I remember like at the seminar, they were like, you could basically buy a house with someone else's money and resell it the same day and keep the difference. And I'm like, I would. I go, what on earth is that? Like, and they were saying like 15, they were saying, they weren't even saying the money that like that we make now on our deals. They were saying like 10, 15 grand. And like for a broke kid in their 20, like at 20 years old. Seemed amazing. But let me ask you something. Did they even understand the people who were teaching you to understand how things work in New York? They were basically giving. No, you no, 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 no. They were generic. Yeah. It was total tomfoolery. Just they were $50 check and no one's going to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Title contract. company. Yeah. Oh, it was ridiculous. Dude. It was, title company. Yeah. Invest. Yeah. It was like, oh, you just, 
Said it was insane, dude. It was insane. So yeah, they did not get specific on the market. They were like, according to your market, there's a lot of inventory you can buy. It's like, yeah, dude, you totally pulled it out of your ass. So did that, went to the seminar, paid $2,000 to get upsold. And it was, it was worth 100% every single penny. I learned a lot. And uh, went out on the street after that second seminar and started marketing, man. Started, I've been marketing from day, literally day one. I've been mar- like a marketer. Like the first day I got out of boot camp, I was on Craigslist marketing. Um, Bandit signs, Craigslist ads, got a deal. Like took me like a year to really do a deal. Honestly, it took me like a year of literally putting in the work every single day. Every single day I was working like a pack mule. And it. When, when did you start recording your calls and critiquing them on Facebook. Was that during that year? No, no, that was after? years after. That was oh. about two and a half years after, dude. That's the first time I saw I saw it. Yeah. Saw it. Yeah, that was, dude, that was a long time ago. It's crazy. Like, and that was like two and a half years after I started, dude. So I really was spinning my wheels for a long ass time. Like it was, it was a lot, man. It was, I was working like, you know, bandit signs and I was going on Craigslist and, um, putting ads out. And then I was going on eBay and, and flipping stuff on eBay to like make money in the short term. I was like literally flipping stuff at garages. I was doing the Gary V model. And it was like, I was making like a thousand dollars a week. Like I was, I was good at it. It was easy. I was like, dude, this is like, you just find stuff on, on, at, at, at garage sales and, just and, and flip it, dude, flip it. Yeah. It was so easy. Dude, honestly, like I wasn't even a skilled negotiator back then. And I was making, I think the first week I made $1,700 in straight cash. And I was like, all right, from somebody else's crap, somebody else's shit, like literally someone else. I remember this is a crazy story. And then I'll get back into my story. I remember this felt better than like the hundred K deals I've done. It's like, I remember this one knucklehead. I I can never forget this guy. I'm at this dude's garage sale and I'm like, a, I'm like a rat in like a sewer. I'm just picking through this thing, dude. And I freaking, dude, I go, I go over to this garage. Sale. I'm like looking around and I, I kind of know what the deal is. Like, I understand what's going to sell and what's not going to sell, which is a big, we could do a uh, episode on knowing your market. But anyway, um, this guy had an Anderson window in the garbage and I looked over and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, is that in the garbage? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's in the garbage. And I'm like, well, okay, well, um, can I just have it for free? I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can I have it for free? And he goes, yeah, sure. I go, is there's got to say like mold on this thing. Is it cracked? And what, I don't know what's going on. I picked this Anderson window up, literally put it on the market like that day and sold it for 75 bucks. And like, I, I just like always like doing that. So I started buying and selling stuff. And then eventually like a year t- later, well, I got this, I got to know more. So you're selling it on eBay just for somebody local, right? You're not going to ship that, right? Well, that one was Craigslist. The big ticket stuff you do on Craigslist, the stuff you can ship like via media mail, which is like cheap ass postage. You can, I would just ship it. I would go to the post office and ship it. But like, if it was a air conditioning unit, window, lawnmower, chainsaw, <laughs> you know, that, that stuff you sell. You sell, uh, personally, I don't like going to people's houses either because a lot of these people are like sketchy people in Poughkeepsie. So I would kind of meet them at like a strip mall or something and be like, all right, dude, like get out of the car, give me the money. It's like a you know, mini you know, robbery. Neutral location. Yeah. Dude, one time I went to go pick up air conditioning units in like the straight like hood of Poughkeepsie. Like uh, it, it was a scary area. And I remember I was just like, I freaking picked up these AC units and hauled ass out of there, man. Like in my shitty Chevy Cobalt. Dude, it was... Hard oh. to run. It's hard to run when you're holding an air conditioner. Yeah. Well, once it was in the truck or the, the, the car, I, I was out of there, dude. But anyway, so done, did a lot of that. After a year, I did a deal, made like five grand. Uh, and then like after that, I started doing a deal every like three months. And I, I was a, I was one of those uh, cash buyer employees, they would call it. And I was just feeding our mutual friends, Larry and Frank deals, which was I, great. I, was say, I, know, I know who I know who I learned a lot. No, that was that, that totally happened for me. I mean, I learned a lot from them. I mean, that was invaluable. Um, so I, I started making like a for a 21 year old kid, like, okay money, like maybe like 
$8,000 a month net. Like if you really average everything out. Um, but then after that, that, but that was like, if you average everything out, like, you know, eventually after a year, year and a half, like, so it wasn't anything that was like, it was enough money, but it wasn't like a life because it was not consistent. Like one month I made 15. You were still in college then? Yeah, still, co- still a college kid making decent money, um, but it wasn't consistent. Like I, one month I'd, I'd go nothing, and then the next month nothing, and then the next month 15 grand, you know, next month 10 grand. So long story short, I started virtually investing after that. So I, I was like really tired of New York's BS, and I didn't have a lot of capital still. Started going into Dallas, Texas, um, and then obviously I'll tie back to obviously I'm still in New York doing deals, but virtual wholesaled probably like 40 properties in Dallas, Texas um, over like from 2018 to like, 2019, like those two full calendar years, um, I was buying and selling a lot of properties down in Dallas and made, made a lot of money down there. Um, and then eventually the marketing channel I was doing, calling and texting, wasn't working as well as it used to down there because it was a blue ocean when before all these list stackers and stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I, I had enough money at the time to where like, I'm like, what if I just start doing direct mailing in New York? Because I know that I've always known that area and I've always was doing deals there, like just out of old leads and just random stuff. I'd still do like a deal a month in New York when I was in California. Um, but then I started going hard in the paint in New York again from San Diego. And then ever since then, I mean, now, you know, I'm buying, you know, three to five houses a month on average, you know, that's like really my, I'm not doing 10, 15, 90 deals a a year. Like these other guys are saying, like I'm buying like three to five houses a month consistently every month. Um, the spreads are very big. You know, these are big deals they are, you know, anywhere from 20 to, you know, 35, $40,000 wholesale deals. And then obviously the rehabs and stuff are higher. Um, and now I'm picking up some rental properties. So Seems like, you know, it was yesterday that I got started. Uh, but now, I mean, I feel like a, a miniature veteran, not a, not a seasoned vet, but maybe a miniature veteran, you know, at least in New York, because I've done enough deals there to really, you know. I, know Cody, I don't think anybody can be a miniature veteran at your age, but you definitely know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I've, yeah, like for, for New York transactional real estate standards, I would say I definitely have earned some stripes. But yeah, for my age, there's no way. Um, anyway, that's my backstory. Um, but the real, I guess my, my, big thing that I take away from that story is that um, it took me a long ass time to actually like get some consistency based on my situation. I didn't have a lot of money to market when I started. So it took me some time, you know, but obviously it was worth it. And uh, you know, now it's a great business and uh, it seems to be growing every month. It is definitely, I mean, uh, I see what you're doing. You're doing great work. And we talk about taking time. It's a big deal. And I'm coaching people now. And like the first thing I'm trying to get with them is like their mindset because a lot of people get into this business and just are out in a few months. And I'm like, yeah, if you're not thinking about this in terms of 12 to 18 months, no, you're done. You're just, you're, you're, you're not, it's not going to work. So no. whatever marketing you're planning to do, whatever budgeting you're doing, you got to think of it in terms of a year and a half. And I think it's very different in New York and we should really get into some of the differences in New York. But one of the things in New York, and one of the things that actually made you want to go to go to go to Dallas area was that just the the sales cycle takes forever. Oh, takes forever, man. And it's because of the, and we can talk. We can get into this now if you want. But like, the, yeah, the, the way the process works in New York is different than all other forty nine states. Oh, so yeah. You want to talk about that? Or you want me to talk about that? Just because so, I'm guessing a lot of people watching this don't even still don't even understand that. that yeah, no, I, we got to make. Yeah, let, let's 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 definitely we'll both cover that. I mean that that is a real thing that that people are just not aware of, even though they they kind of have an idea, but they don't really know the actual truth of the matter. Not just oh yeah, you need an attorney, but like that's that's a general statement. So, Michael, I want you to kind of dig into that because you are the the master at this. <laughs> you are you are my Mister Miyagi for this. So there, there's, like, there's so many things that make it different in New York, right? And so many things that make it more challenging and so many things that make it better. Better, 
So really, there the really is uh, some of these are the, are the are are two sides of the same coin. So just a quick a quick uh, synopsis, and then we can get into the details. The process takes a lot longer in New York because a, a real estate transaction in New York is different than a real estate transaction in the other 49 states. Because in the other 49 states, a real estate transaction takes place between a buyer and a seller. If I want to buy your house, I bring you a contract. I may or may not even have to give you a down payment. And we're in contract. You're legally obligated to sell it to me. In New York, that whole transaction takes place between a seller's attorney and a buyer's attorney. The seller's attorney prepares the contract and sends it to the buyer's attorney. And then your attorney, assuming you're the buyer, is going to negotiate with him about the details. So most attorneys charge several thousand dollars for that. It's really a ripoff, but they need to justify that. And that takes the whole process, that makes the whole process take longer. Because the whole process takes longer, and it's like a circle, most sellers in New York don't look at their asset at their house as a liquid asset as they do in other states. Oh, no, like, yeah, that's so true. Like in Texas, if I'm in foreclosure or if I'm in risk of going to foreclosure, I have 45 days before the sheriff kicks me out. So oh, yeah. I know that I better, if I'm in trouble, I can sell my house quickly, like in a week, to yeah. an investor and solve it. But in New York, the thinking is, even if I'm in, if, if, well, first of all, the, the foreclosure could take 15 years. But <laughs> Literally 15 years. That situation. But let's just say I'm in financial stress in New York. Most people don't say, wow, my house is where I can go get cash because it, it's going to take months. They, they took them that long when they bought it. So the whole thing takes longer. So like a quick wholesale deal for me is two months. I don't know what a yeah, quick wholesale same. deal for you is in, in, in New York. But because of that, the whole process is, is, is different. And, and you looked at it and you said, I remember, I remember talking to you about it many years ago. You're like, screw this. I just can't wait this long. I'm going to go to Texas where I can get, some, get me some quick cash. Literally. And, um, <laughs> I agreed. I was thinking, shit, I should be going somewhere like that. <laughs> um, but now the pipeline goes through. So, yeah, so it's the mentality yeah. is very different in New York. That's, that's, yeah. that's the main thing that we I see all the time where people are asking me, how long of an inspection contingency can I have in my contract? Where do I find an investor-friendly title company? And um, what's the other thing? Oh, what contract do you use? And I say, all those questions don't apply in New York. There's no inspections in New York get done before the contract gets signed. You don't have an out. I'm selling a property now um, that I sort of wholetailed and a newbie, a newbie wholesaler came to me for it. And she was like, I need a 45 day inspection contingency and I want to give you a $3,000 down payment. I'm like, listen, lady, if you want to, and I need an assignable. So I said, listen, if you want to wholesale this, I have no problem. I said, but you don't, you don't really understand how it's done in New York. Right? So just to deal with those three things before we move on. Inspections get done before before a contract in New York. So every time I go to contract, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I have to either assign it or close. Those are my only two choices. I don't have an out. So in other states, you sign this contract that you that you that you that you got online, and it says I have three weeks to do an inspection, which basically means you have three weeks to find a buyer. Doesn't work like that in New York. The second thing I get asked is, do you have an investor friendly title company? So in New York, the in forty nine states. The title company is the entity that disperses the funds and runs a transaction. But in New York, it's done through an attorney. Title company are basically service providers here. They make sure two things. I mean, they make sure the taxes are paid and all the liens are paid. That's what they do. So you don't need an investor-friendly title company, you need an investor-friendly attorney. And the third thing is they ask what contract to use. And I go, you don't use a contract. The contract is going to be drawn up by the seller's attorney. You don't need a contract. Sometimes people are relieved. Like they were waiting. Oh, oh, really? I can get started right away. I'm like, okay, get started right away. But like, it, that's the kind of thing that people just don't understand 
how different it is in New York than the other other states. A hundred percent. And the, the point of that is like, you can't take your information when it comes to logistics in New York from other people, because at the end of the day, I, that was Michael, that was honestly my biggest issue when I, I wish I knew about you when I got started. I mean, you were still buying at auctions and stuff, but like, I had no idea. Like I was so like confused. I was like, but Sean Terry, and these are good guys, Sean Terry and Guru, they're saying, get an escrow and do this. I know I'm like, people were telling me you can't do that. And I didn't know what was going on. I was like, I didn't even know that like what existed. And that was causing a lot of tension in my life because I was doing the work, but it wasn't lining up to what my perceived reality was, which was the perceived reality in Arizona or Nevada or California or Oregon, like whatever. And man, I wish if I knew about you back in the day and you were still making these videos, I would have literally camped out like someone in the streets of LA outside of your office, you know, with the s'mores. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, and, no, and seriously. Is like Sean Terry is great, but Sean Terry openly says wholesaling is a risk-free transaction because you just put an inspection contingency on it. In other and states, that's true. He's right for 49 states. 100%. New no, York, I, you're not, yeah. There's a lot of great guys out there who give great information. Max 100%. Maxwell, Brent Daniels, there's so many of them that are yeah. awesome guys. But these guys have never and will never and could probably, I'm not going to say could never, but never would want to do a deal in yeah. New York because it's so different than everywhere else. Yeah. It makes everything a lot more complicated. But here's the big thing. I and obviously, we're, as we as the weeks progress here for the listeners, like we're gonna go in like legit nitty gritty ridiculous detail on all the things that Michael and I have been mentioning. I mean, we have content lined up for months and months and months. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to understand. There's that. There's that book. I'm sure you've read it, Michael. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Halliday. Love that book. Love that book. Yeah, it's a great book. And I might reread that now because I'm going through something in my personal life. But it's a good, just a good book to always visit. Um, but at the I end have. of the, you have yeah I have it on my shelf. It's right. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't have it. I got to I got to buy it. But I read it. I read it. It's it's up. It's in the top shelf there. That's a good I book. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I got like literally hundred of them. It's like top shelf like the like the New York Islanders usually. They're, they've been doing real good by the way, recently. Just saying. Next too. Yeah. Hey, when I get back to New York, by the way, I'm actually moving back. For the listeners, as of this recording, I'm in California. I'm actually made the decision to move back to New York. Um, so Michael and I will be seeing each other more frequently. We got to do an Islanders game, dude, when I get back. Or like, depending on, it's, it's the summertime, but we'll do some sort of sporting event, maybe a Met game or whatever. We'll figure it out, but we'll talk offline about that. Uh, but the point, yeah, the point I was trying to make was um, the reasons New York is hard, and Michael mentioned this briefly, is why there's a, such a big opportunity in our market uh, and our state. Let's just say it as a state. Michael and I are, are more downstate, but people are listening in Buffalo or whatever. It's the same thing. There's a huge opportunity, number one, for margins to be higher due to the average value of a property in New York because of the tri-state area and you know northern Jersey and all that. It's generally going to be a lot higher than than the you know Phoenix, Arizona, or you know somewhere in Iowa. Um, also, this is something that nobody talks about, and even though they know it, they, they still don't like to do it. There's less competition in New York because there's more barriers to entry, and a lot of people I know in New York invest in other states, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but if you think about the amount of investors in like a Dallas or a Phoenix, real estate wholesaling in Dallas is almost like, um, like, a, like a dirty water hot dog in New York City. There's one on every corner, right? So how do you like that for a metaphor? Up and, but, up you know, but the, the deal is in New York, yes, there are people doing it in New York. There's a decent amount of people doing it, but it's nowhere near the level of competitiveness um, 
in these other markets. And the reason is number one, sellers aren't really aware of this type of stuff as well as they are. They're more conditioned in Phoenix to sell for cash, right? Cause they know the cycle's shorter in New York. I mean, we get insane amount of leads. Like, you know, sometimes where we'll get like, we'll do a million and we'll get flooded with phone calls. Like yesterday, my assistant was like, Holy crap, what's going on. And a lot of sellers, they don't even, this is like the first time they've gotten a postcard or they like, they're so not aware of this concept of selling for cash. It helps you out. Your marketing is better usually. And, um, you know, it's, it's a way to not, you know, swim in a red ocean, you know, to use the analogy from that book, blue ocean strategy. Sure. Um, and it can work out to your benefit. I find more than half the time I'm making an offer. I'm the only it's just offer. you. Yeah. I would Sometimes, say that's the same for me. And that, that'll something like that. When you tell somebody from Dallas or Phoenix or Vegas, that they almost don't believe you. Like they no, can't it's true. imagine it. It's true. Right. Cause there's 5 million people. There's a, like a, a, a line there's a queue outside the house with yeah. who's going in, making offers with it's, them. It's, it's like, if I don't call this number back in five minutes, if I don't yeah. go see that guy in, in 15 minutes, I'm Crazy. out much less competition here. Also two things. What the, the book, the obstacles away, I was in like a real funk at one point. And I was like, it takes so long to get into contract. But then I started thinking about it really from the book, the book. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's hard to get into contract, but it's also impossible for to stuff. get out of contract. And yeah. that's a big deal. We take it for granted. Um, yeah, yeah. Because in other in other parts of the country, you get into contract, and that guy just calls you up one day and says, "Sorry, I'm not in the oh. I got a, I got a better I got a better offer." Yeah. So in some states, there are ways to sort of protect you where you can file like an affidavit of of contract. Or you uh, memorandum of contract. It's called. I've done it in Texas. Memorandum of contract. It memorandum doesn't mean shit. Contract. I, I got hosed on that. I freaking almost had to get in a lawsuit over that. I made a thousand dollars. So it was it was going to be like a hundred grand deal. In so yeah. all it does is sort of let's say cloud title. Yeah, it jams you up. Doesn't do shit. But yeah. There's still title companies that can will close it, will go around. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. then where's best case, you'll get a call later saying, you know, can I give you a thousand dollars? Yeah, it, it's and BS. For us, seller is not getting out of contract ever. Guy finds out you're wholesaling it, another thing you can do. So one of yeah. the best wholesale deals I ever did, um, one of the first wholesale deals I ever did. Um, it was like uh, it was dealing Great Neck, which is not a oh, I've deal. been to Great Neck. I played hockey there, man. That's a, that's I, right on Queen Order of Queens, yeah. I found like the two bad blocks in Great Neck. So um, this was like a, a legal two family, but the guy was really like an angry guy. Like the house was a disaster and he didn't want to tell me he was living there, but he was living there. Yeah. And it was coming occupied with the second unit with like some tenant who never let me in. And, um, and I got, I found the buyer for like $120,000 more than my price. Wow. And um, I talked to the, to my attorney and I'm like, I'm scared this guy's going to walk when he sees, when he sees how much money I'm making. And my attorney said words that were so beautiful. I, I really should have recorded them. He said, the guy may be upset at the closing, but he's still got to sell it to you. And he's got to sell it to you for your price. He's got no place to go. Yep. In New York, if a if a buyer wants to buy and a seller who's, if you're in contract, then a buyer wants to buy a seller who wants to sell, you can a file this pendants on the property, which is just like a foreclosure situation. Yeah. <laughs> the guy will never sell it anywhere else. You have full rights to do that. And B, you can then sue him for specific performance for the entire amount. So not just like for the $120,000 you can make, I was going to buy the house for like 550. I could have sued him for 550. And, and since every seller is represented by an attorney, they know that. So yeah. if a seller finds out some shenanigans are going on here. I don't know what this kid is doing, but um, he, he's got no place to go. The contract signed. So that's an amazing thing that, yeah. that we take for granted in New York. Yeah, people in other states are are scrambling, right? Oh, dude, it's I did I that in California, dude. Right I can't show the property. I don't know what's going to yeah. be. 
I, I don't know what to tell the sell, tell, yep. tell the seller. Seller can flick out of me. We don't have that issue in New York. No. It's really a great thing. It's amazing. It's a great thing. I almost lost $70,000 in San Diego a couple months ago from that type of tomfoolery. And I, I was like, if I was in New York, this guy would, I would have had him in a headlock, you know, and I would have taken him to t- table ladders and chairs match, you know, but in a legal headlock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, so yeah, no, that's a big, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I, we'll do, we'll do a legit. What? What do you want to do? You want to do it? Uh, uh, another topic I'm we'll right. do a, we'll do a legit like podcast on this like we'll go like for an hour like michael and i will we'll go hard on this topic and we'll also dr- drive home like real deals that we've been involved in where like we will tell the whole thing i'll reveal the good the bad and the ugly and um yeah no that's a that's a huge benefit too because just to, to make to, to wrap that point up like when you when you get involved in a in a like a an off-market deal with a seller you know, a lot of gurus make it seem like it's so easy, you know, and, and listen, it once you get better at it, the longer you do it. But when you're really getting into like, it's not that easy in today's market. Like it's going to call co- it costs me about $3,000 to get involved in a contract in New York off market. And that, that's like $3,000 of cash. Like there's no collateral on that. It's just a risk, right? So the way I look at it is if a seller goes into contract with me and the contract is you know, straight up, which they all are because attorneys do them. My downside is if I walk away, I lose a reasonable deposit, which I'm okay with. Generally, I don't walk away unless there's a real issue. But in the seller side, they're either going to be still in control of their asset with a deposit or they're going to get sued for the actual specific performance. So it's actually funny. I always say when I rehab, Michael, anytime I take a deal down and I'm not a rental property, I hate being the seller because I have, I am in a situation where I can get, I remember one time this freaking deal, it was a rehab and this guy got a USDA loan and he had me jammed up for freaking six months in escrow and there was nothing I could do. 100%. So it's Crazy tough when you're buyer a seller. Really, buyer really has the upper hand. Oh, the buyer is a huge advantage. I mean, you got need a good attorney to make sure that your contract's grown up with, with outs and, and time, time, you know, times of the essence and that kind of thing because- the buyer really has an upper hand. The seller cannot. Oh, I have sellers call me crying, saying yeah. the buyer's screwing me over. Yeah, uh, and I say I'll, I'll I'll step in, but if, until you're out of this contract, I don't know I can do. I just bought a property in uh, Massapequa, where non-cooperating tenants for like two years, and um, the first the guy the this old man called me and then <laughs> told me that it's owned in a trust when his daughter is the trustee. Yeah, she talked to the daughter. So I talked to the daughter, and the Daughter is like, let me just silence that. Daughter is telling me, um, sorry. All good. DND. Okay. The daughter is telling me, we're in contract with somebody else at this price. Can you pay a little more? And I'm like, okay. She goes, but, but what do I do with that contract? So I got into, I got into the nitty gritty. Her contract was, she had to sell the property vacant and she could not get the people out. So I sort of went to contract again. And luckily, those people, the first buyer sort of took a, she paid them off and they got out of the deal. And then I bought the property and now I'm dealing with these two bozos that are living in there. But but the point is she she was really stuck. She yeah. had promised a buyer to deliver a property vacant, basically open-ended, and she couldn't get the guy out. And I came in and said, I'll take it with the tenants. And she had to, pay, I think she had to pay them like 20 grand to get out of the contract. But I was paying her a little more. And for her, she just wanted it done. Oh, by the way, the old man passed away in the middle. Um, oh man, I've had that happen on a deal where the seller died the next day. He was an old, unhealthy guy. Oh, but it was it was already in a trust, so it was, yeah. it was easy. Yeah, that's that's yeah. There was no probate. 
um, which is something that also takes a long time in New York. But, <laughs> so so you, well, you're right. Like if you're a seller and a, bu- a buyer can oh. jam you up, I have, I have a property in, in Mastic right now. I'm in contract for the fifth time. Oh, you were telling me about that the other day on the phone. Yeah. I'm, I'm praying it works. It was finally this one. Mastic works. is super far from where you are too, man. That's I hate it. I hate it. I really Not a nice area problem. either, Mastic. But it's up and coming. Um, <laughs> so is Shirley, right? And yeah, they're right like next door. zip codes in Long Island, yeah. Mastic and Shirley are like the two of the last places on Long Island where you can buy something cheap enough to, to, for to a rent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, I had buyers and they just kept jerking me around. And, 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 and I know this from the mortgage business and you know it from selling properties. A standard retail contract to sell a property, the buyer basically has a get out of contract free card in that he has a mortgage contingency Mm-hmm. And it's not hard to get denied on a mortgage. In in my, what was I, 17 years in the mortgage business, 16 years in the mortgage business, I got calls a lot of times saying, listen, I changed my mind. Just give me a denial. And I gave him a denial. It's really easy to yeah. deny. Document expires. It's something simple. So every time you go to contract, you can get screwed. And the buyer really has the upper hand. He has a way out if you need. And he can drag you along if, you know, if he wants to also. So 100%. Right. As, but as the buyer, when we buy things, we, we, we you're in a huge advantage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I'm not sure what your experience is on this. We're going to cut track. These shows around 45 minutes to an hour. So Michael and I will chat for a couple more minutes and then we'll, we'll make sure that the big thing for listeners to take too, is like Michael and I are, are really introducing ourselves on the show, kind of setting the stage for what to expect in the coming episodes, but we're going to go extremely detailed with all of these things that we're mentioning. So this is just the tip of the iceberg, but Michael, another thing I wanted to add to what you just said was, uh, when I, I remember one time I tried to get my deposit back. Like I took a buyer's deposit on a wholesale deal and maybe my attorney jacked it up or something, but uh, he generally is really good. I remember I took a buyer's deposit. He walked away, the buyer, and the house was a disaster. We had, it ended up working out. He, he listed it and it was all good. And I got a good relationship out of it. But I remember I couldn't get the buyer's um, liquidated damages because I was double closing and that was rare. But uh, sometimes if you have a good attorney, if you're like on the opposite side, they can fight and get your deposit back too. And, and this is if you're like for retail, it's easy because the appraisal could happen. And that's the worst part, dude. That appraisal always happens right before the closing. And it's literally like going to Las Vegas when you're drunk. Like you have no idea what- Where's it going to end? It's like, a, it's like a roulette wheel. Yeah. It's, I remember I just did a big fat cat rehab and the appraisal, it was an FHA loan and the appraisal was like literally the week before closing- and I was just going to bed at night, just like, oh my gosh, I hope this appraisal goes through because I had like private money at like 12% on it or something. So I just wanted to say, yeah. What? Did it come in for the value? Oh yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It did. But it was, it was questionable because the market's so crazy right now as we're recording this in 2021. Like I was like, yeah, I, I think it'll come back, but yeah, it came back. And, and the point of that is that if it doesn't come back in your favor, the appraisal, there's two options. You can either, the, the buyer can either come up to the table with the Delta or which is the difference between what the appraisal is and what they're in contract for. And in Long Island, that that's obviously like, that could be like a shitload of money. Like if you're buying something in like, you know, a good area of Nassau County, I mean, you gotta be, that's like, that could be six figures sometimes. Um, and then also um, the lender will have to adjust, like they have to basically renegotiate. And then at that point, you know, your pro forma gets screwed up. So, you're, and that that is the point of that is you're at a disadvantage when you're selling real estate and not buying real estate. Uh, especially in our area, <laughs> you know, we're sure you've had that happen before where you just, there's nothing you can do. Sure. Like, what are you gonna when do? you sell retail, but when we, when we wholesale, when you, you know, sell retail, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we wholesale, then we use it with dealing with people who understand. They the know the deal. It, it's, 
the cheap price for for a specific ter- like the terms are like, hey, you're you're walking this thing, and I don't care if there's a dead gopher living in the basement. You're taking the property. There's no right. there's no negotiating here. Well, um, I, just, I just sent out a, a wholesale contract, and the the attorney marked it up and basically negated all my advantages. Didn't put a time on it. Uh, yeah. You know, it doesn't all say, I'm like, I don't think we're going to sell it to this, to this buyer. No, no. And it's not even worth it. Even if I have to send for 10 grand less or whatever, and it's like the guy's going to close, I I, yeah, I put some need, inherent I value need, on that. We need, we need certainty, right? That's what we need. Certainty. Yeah, right. You made a good video on that the other day. So anyway, hope the listeners got value from this episode. Michael, I, I think that uh, this episode really set the tone for the upcoming uh, shows we're going to be putting out here. And I think that um, another thing that we'll probably end up doing after we get a lot of our initial content out is we'll, we'll have some sort of click funnel page. I'll have my assistant set up and we'll have like, you know, Q and a or something or like that. So we can, you know, spend 45 minutes, you know, doing a content and then we can spend another 15 minutes answering some questions that I'm sure some listeners will bring, be bringing in. So we'll have this more really engaging and I'm sure in the coming weeks, we'll have some, some great web addresses to drive people to, so they can, uh, you know, submit their questions and whatnot. So, Michael, do you have any parting words for the first episode of our uh, podcast? It was an honor to be uh, to share this podcast with you, Greg, and I'm looking forward to the future. Likewise, I hope all the listeners got some value today, and uh, just make sure when you listen to this content, you're actually going out there and you're either having this help you decide to be a real estate investor, and if you already decided you're a real estate investor, make sure you're taking some sort of nugget away from each episode and, and, and try your best to really apply it because there's real power to consistent compounded action. Um, and I, I tell you right now, Michael and I just spilled our guts for like an hour and we just gave you guys some of the goods. So there's a lot of stuff you can take from this episode if you rewatch it and apply. And I guarantee you it will help you produce more results in your business. So Michael, looking forward to the next one, man. Very good. Let me know when you when you move back here for good. We got to go out for dinner. Of course.